I had the opportunity to visit with Bob Payton of The Growth Coach. Bob is one of those guys that I just constantly bump into his clients and and the peripheral advisors that uh, have just nothing but good things to say about the guy. And it's interesting because he had been a solo practitioner and then he purchased the Growth Coach franchise. And so I thought, you know what, it would be great to have him on to talk about, number one, as a buyer, number two, just what Growth Coach is. And so I hope you enjoy this because we talk a lot about the same kinds of challenges that we're experiencing in serving business owners. And that's the preparation and getting the business into a condition where it becomes a saleable asset. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bob Payton. Please welcome, please welcome, welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value Podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable. Learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now, here's your host, Ed Misogland. I'm your host, Ed Misogland. I teach business owners how to build value and identify and remove risks in their business so that one day that they can sell their business at maximum value when they want how they want, and to whom they want. On today's show, I am so stoked to welcome Bob Payton of Growth Coach of Northern Indianapolis. So welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Ed, for having me today. So before we got started, I gave kind of a, a high-level overview of you. So if you don't mind, can you share a little bit more about you and, and what you're doing to serve business owners? Oh, you bet. Well, I mean, background-wise, uh, I spent 20 years at uh, Rolls-Royce here locally in Indianapolis. And uh, at the end of 2008 or middle of 2008, in fact, right before the downturn, um, I left Rolls-Royce after that 20-year career and ended up, honestly, by accident, starting my own consultancy. And even through the downturn, uh, financially, et cetera, that occurred, um, I had some really great experiences in self-employment and ended up probably with about a half a dozen clients by the end of that year. And then a few years later, that ended up taking me overseas where I worked in Australia of all places, which was quite enjoyable. Um, and a year and a half later, that brought me back to the U.S. where I'd worked at Cummins in the Paragen market. And then about a year and a half later, ended up opening an engineering office in downtown Indianapolis with about 70 people here and about 70 offshore. And when that came to an end, I really kind of went back and evaluated what I really like to do. And um, I took a look at my second half of life and turned 50 in that same time frame, and really enjoyed being self-employed. And so returned to that in early 2017 where I did both consulting and coaching. And what I found was a lot of my consulting clients ended up being coaching clients and so kind of started to make that transition over the last few years. And then uh, earlier this year, I had met a lady named Lisa Hudson, who was the growth coach at Carmel. And we hit it off and had a great conversation and ended up even in a um, mastermind group together. But she ended up taking the role as president of the franchise uh, this summer. And the next thing I know, I'm in a conversation with her and uh, bought myself a franchise uh, in June of this year. And so last several months have just been converting what I would call existing clients and future clients over from my past business over to the growth coach. And I've got a great team in Cincinnati where it's headquarters is supporting me. 
And so right now I'm a solo coach, but I do have a part-time coach that focuses on people and some HR focused things. And then, uh, come 2020, expect to add a few more coaches to the portfolio. So, um, currently serving business owners who really are in growth planning phase or are actually in the growth phase and are in typically what I would just, I call it the whitewater. It's the rough patch of time in business where all these changes are occurring, some because of growth and just change. And it's pretty difficult. It's uh, it's very common. Uh, very few businesses go through big changes without going through what I call that whitewater. And so I literally just help business owners and leaders believe that the actions that they're taking today will actually deliver the results they want in the future. And so that's kind of what I do. Well, the funny thing is, so I, I bump into your name you know, throughout uh, LinkedIn, uh, certainly some some mutual acquaintances, and you know they all they all certainly speak highly of you and and uh, just how results oriented you are. Um, but one of the things that surprised me was that you bought a franchise. It 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 <laughs> it, it's, sure. it seemed to me that you you had a pretty decent shop going, and so I'm I'm curious what made you buy into a, a process of another. Sure. A couple things. I mean, most franchise owners would know that, um, you know, being on your own has, you know, it's a lot of goods and there's a lot of positives to that. But some of the negatives is you are alone, um, you know, despite a great network, despite, you know, colleagues and similar, you know, nature of business. Uh, sometimes you do feel alone. And I had been searching probably for a year for something, I'll call it. I probably couldn't quite put my finger on it at the time. And that's honestly where I met Lisa. I really liked how she did business. I just liked her a lot. And the next thing I know, you know, obviously she's becoming the president of the franchise. And um, I just liked how they did business. And I went, you know, took a tour, met the team, very down to earth people. This isn't some, you know, San Francisco uh, high tower, glossy office place. It's, you know, really great team, solid people. And for me, it was all just about support. And, you know, I get a great support team behind me. I get a coach. Um, I get resources that I didn't have on my own. And just having that uh, to support not only just my own business, but my clients has been uh, extremely useful. So that's, that's really why I bought it. Yeah, it's something something else that that you you said in passing, but I've always wanted to know is what's the difference between consulting and coaching? Consulting, I'd say, is the simplest way I describe it is consulting is I may tell you what to do and actually maybe do some of it for you. Whereas coaching, you know, we're actually coaches, just like a sports coach. Um you know, I don't mind getting my hands dirty from time to time, but you know, our job is really to figure out how to get the most out of what you're already doing, not necessarily to remake the wheel, even though that may be part of the process that we go through. Um, you know, you're not paying me to actually institute, you know, let's say SAP or an ERP system. Uh, we're going to talk about that change and how it impacts your people and how to, you know, get the most out of that you know, investment and how to prepare your people to do it. But, uh, that's, that's the simplest way I can describe a consultant versus a coach. I got it. One of the things that, uh, you know, it seems as though there's, there's a lot of coaches out there and, and that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. I think it, I think it dilutes a lot of, of the message that, uh, the good coaches always tend to rise to the top, but I think it, it, 
it takes a little bit longer to, um, to kind of plow through those that, uh, you know, say they're a coach, but have never coached or mm -hmm. perhaps have had one success story. And now all of a sudden they're, they're the expert. So I guess the, my first question is, how do you see yourself differentiating yourself against all those other coaches? Sure. I mean, I, I mean, we all know each other, to be frank, you know, probably here in northern Indianapolis and in Indianapolis, there's probably not too many coaches and, you know, that do what we do that don't know each other. Um, and there's two things. One, I think, you know, every every one of us have different backgrounds, experiences and niches. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's where, you know, coaching is a very personal business. And so every potential client or current client, you know, chooses a coach for a whole host of reasons. Uh, biggest one just being trust, right? So they have to, they have to believe that what you're doing is going to help them deliver, which you know, we may talk about a little bit later, but, um, so in my case, I call it, you know, 30 years of experience. I coached big teams, small teams, national teams, global teams, corporate activities, non-corporate activities, et cetera. And the way I describe myself recently is, uh, best way I can come up with it is what I call a synergist. And so I, I have, you know, whether you call it a gift, that sounds maybe a bit pompous, but um, I look at things through a different lens than other people do. And I look at processes. When I look at a business, I look at process and what they're doing and how they're doing it and all the pieces of the puzzle. Um, and I think, you know, Juno Wickman and Mark Winters in the book Traction, uh, which is a great book, uh, calls that the integrator. And Les McCune calls that the synergist. And so I've kind of picked up on the synergist to describe myself. So for me, most of my clients are what I would call uh, specialists. They're small privately owned or medium sized business own owners of a privately owned business. Uh, but they really just want to make some really big changes uh, for the long term in their future, both for them and their employees. So that's kind of who I, who I serve. Yeah. Uh, anytime that um, you talk to somebody that's been coached and either they have a real good experience or they <laughs> or they have a real bad experience and it's, sure. and it's never, yeah, it was okay. It was just, it was one or the other. And so I, I guess when, when you're uh, working with, with business owners or, or, you know, people are evaluating your service. I mean, how, how do you determine whether or not it's a right fit? Mm -hmm. Great question as well. Um, I would say for me, it's really about their thirst for knowledge and change if, if they're extremely risk averse and they're really not open to change and they're really not, I'll call it, you know, being a sponge. Um, I love, you know, clients that are sponges are great. You know, they're learning, they're reading, they're reading things, they're asking questions, they're trying to figure out how to make things work. Um, and those that truly want to look at the long term versus the short, um, you know, if you're looking just to do a quick fix, and just make some extra cash to pay for a boat or something. That's, that's not my, that's not my gig. Uh, if you really want to, you know, set yourself up for the long term, uh, and obviously in the subject that we're talking about is preparing your business for sale. That is not a short term activity. So I look for those people that truly have that type of, you know, go forward vision. So. Yeah. When, when there's partners involved, I mean, what, what do you normally see? Do you see uh, one partner on board and then you got to, lasso the the other or <laughs> others or do you come into the the board meeting make your pitch and 
and hope you uh, get consensus to to be brought on. Mm. I mean, how does that no, work? I usually, I usually don't like making pitches. Uh, uh, be oh. frank. Um, I usually start with I'll call it either the owner or the set of owners, and that's where we start. And honestly, if they're not on board, it's I don't want to say a losing effort, but um, it makes it that much more difficult. They, they literally have to be ready to make a change. And if that change then corresponds to, you know, I'll call it a personality match and just how I conduct business with them, then usually it's off to the races. So, yeah, well, and the reason, the reason I was asking it, it has more to do with like the age of the owners, as we're talking about preparing your business for sale, I, you know, let's just, I, I know we're seeing a lot of business owners, 65 plus, And, you know, as far as digging your heels in, they are dug in and this is, this is the way we've always done it. So, but they would so benefit from, from someone, a third party, just taking a look at the business, helping them kind of shepherd everyone in one direction that at some point you're going to exit this thing. Mm -hmm. And so those type of business owners, how do you get your arms around them? And, and I don't want to say convince, but, um, show them the intangible value that, that you bring or that you sure. will bring through working with you? Uh, usually, uh, I mean, honestly, the only way I can do that is just through examples. So you know, I usually just talk through, you know, past or existing client interactions and describe what I do um, because there are definitely are, you know, there's tangible benefits and intangibles. Um, sometimes it's just, they want to feel better about something, you know, a decision, uh, uh, three choices they need to make or figure out which direction to go. And sometimes that doesn't have an immediate financial impact, but it definitely has a confidence impact. But then there's obviously bigger things that you may talk about, about, you know, it could be restructuring your business. It could be changing your leadership team. It could be, you know, changing your entire process of your business or actually creating a process for your business. Some cases they don't have one to start with, but, um, and so, you know, measuring the impact of a repeatable process that then allows the owner to not, you know, be in the middle, I'll call it, um, you know, sometimes those are hard to pin down and sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's just purely, you'll see a change in sales volume or a, a change in prospect volume or reduction in costs, et cetera. So every client's different, I must admit. Yeah. Well, I know, especially when I'm talking to to the older uh, and you know, it's, it's not like they're that much older than me, but those that have been, you know, look, I've, I've owned the company for 40 years. You know, you're not going to tell me anything I don't know. Well, you know, you sit there and you're like, okay, well, how, how should we proceed then? If, <laughs> if, you're, if you're not even willing to consider someone else's point of view. So yeah, that's, that's a tough spot. Yeah, and, that, and my usually maybe snarky response to that, then everything must be great. You know, if, <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, you've talked to enough owners just like myself that, you know, every business, you know, obviously it can be a mess. And, you know, there's some that are less messy than others, uh, but every business has its challenges. I mean, yeah. especially, you know, privately owned or family owned businesses, you know, for sure. And so anytime someone kind of says that, it's like, well, you know, then why are we even talking? There, there, there's a reason that they talk to me or you, um, and it's because they want to know, and that's kind of where we start. And so, but you know, if there is a hard varnish, I'll call it that truly you can't break through then until they really want to, 
you know, make a change, then I just, you know, I keep them in mind and keep in contact, you know? Yeah. No, I hear you. So what are you seeing in today's marketplace as, as far as business owners and, mm-hmm. and thinking about uh, the process? Are you seeing a, an upswing? I, certainly we are. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming you're doing the same. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's probably a, a subject that we hit on a lot uh, and come across, I'd say probably even weekly. Uh, and I call it situation wise is what I, and you and I've talked about this before, just a, it's a bit of a denial of reality. Um, you know, every private owner that I talk to, you know, has a number in their head that they want their business to be worth and think it may be worth, but it's not necessarily backed up with facts. And what I've been telling a lot of, you know, of, of the business owners lately is think about who the buyer will be, not about you, the seller. And you have to have a buyer that wants to buy it. And it may not be a boomer anymore. And so you may have a millennial that wants to buy your business. And how does your business look to them? And it, it, it is, I'll be honest, it's a little, a little frustrating um, because they want it to be worth, you know, a million dollars, but they've done nothing to really back up the, the true valuation of it, you know, even down to the financials. Um, so that's kind of what I see is, I mean, you know, just from a mega trend standpoint, you know, I both know that, you know, the amount of boomer retirements and people that own businesses is just staggering. It's, you know, come and do to be either sold or retired. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we see, we see the same. And the funny thing is it's just, it's hard to believe that with as much information that's available out there that we still have to fight the battle of understanding value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the funny thing is we, we, I've said, would you, would you pay this for your company? Well, hell no, I wouldn't. Well, no. <laughs> well, well then well, why would you think someone else is going to, well, you know, and it, it's yeah, it is such a, a a tough a tough spot to be in because you know that liquidating or making that that asset liquid or selling mm-hmm. is is integral to them having a reasonable retirement. And sure. oh my gosh, and we plow into you know you just didn't give us enough time that most of what the 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 value penalization so to speak mm-hmm. that you're going to receive could have been corrected if you just would have started this process a year or two earlier. That's correct. Yeah. yeah and I, I tell, you know, everyone I meet that comes into this category of thinking about selling is, you know, at an absolute minimum, you want at least a year. I mean, maybe three, right. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's just a whole list of things that are involved when you decide to sell and and because each business owner is different and their financial lives are different and their goals are different um there's a lot of ground to cover well enough just i'll call it the nuts and bolts of the basic business itself so totally i mean is there a particular way that you get the business owner to buy into this investment i i I know your track record speaks for Mm -hmm. for itself and you can point to you know look here's my success stories you know, the funny thing is, it seems as though there's, and it doesn't matter how much money that the business owner is making. There is the fear of that investment in a person who is claiming to be able to amplify value. How do you get sure. that? How do you get them over that hump? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I would say, you know, initially, uh, what I tell them is, I am not going to promise you a return on that investment. There, there's too much work 
that rests on the buyer or on, you know, the seller or the owner. Um, and my job isn't to, to do all the work for them. You know, I can, we can guide them through it. You know, I've kind of also one way to describe myself as a white water rafting guide, right? I'm the guy <laughs> in the back of the boat and my job is to paddle, you know, and, and guide the boat where you want it to go. But in the end, you've got to be paddling and your team and your business has to be paddling in a certain direction. Um, so it, I, I, I truly, it is an investment. I'm, I don't make any bones in about having a discussion when someone's going to spend, you know, 10, 20, $30,000, uh, over some period of time to, um, you know, figure out a way to get more out of their business. That's, that's, it's real money. Uh, you know, I don't, make light of that at all. But the other thing I look at is what else do they invest their money in? Or in a lot of cases, how much money is being wasted by not doing certain things. And so, you know, I've, I've had several instances where, you know, you go into a business and you see what they're spending on certain things that are providing no value or return. And that's one way, you know, we may do some immediate little quick hits, I'll call it, that generates some immediate cash value um, by just looking at their business from the outside. And if we can do that in the short term, fantastic, but it really is a long term. So it, it really just comes down to, you know, you know, honestly, if I don't produce value in two or three months time, as an example, uh, we're going to know it and we're going to have a discussion about it. So I don't make any bones about that. Yeah. So what, what are the habits that you're advising a business owner uh, that they must do in order to increase the the value of their companies? Sure. There's about four. Uh, and I'd say the first one really is getting them out of the middle of everything. Um, a lot of privately owned business, even medium sized businesses, the owner is in the middle of everything. And what I tell them is their job is, you know, our job is to help them figure out how to get out of the middle and get them, um, you know, from being the point of constraint. Now, there's a lot of constraints by having the owner in the middle of every decision and every function. And sometimes they may not even see it. And this is where an outside view comes in, you know, sitting in a, in a board meeting for a while or a staff meeting and just kind of watching how a business works. You kind of learn a lot of things pretty quickly. Um, you know, what we'd like to get them to the point of is when they come into work, they may even ask themselves in some future time, right? Why am I actually here? And that's what we'd like to get up to. And what are they spending their time on? And, you know, it's, it's a bit cliche, but it's, you know, working on your business, not in it. And, you know, a lot of other coaches have that same phrase. So that's one, that's probably the primary, especially in, in smaller privately and even medium sized businesses. Second would just be mindset and just thinking strategically. Um, there's a lot of business owners that are really just employees um, and they really haven't set up their business to be a functioning entity without them. And so helping them understand what that looks like uh, is, an, is another uh, focus area. Third would just be, I'll call it a plan. Um, and I'm not big on humongous big business plans. Uh, so whether it's small, big, or I'll call it a one page. And I actually like one one page business plans. Um, cause usually what I find is they don't have one. And so we start with, uh, just a page, you know, business plan on a page. And then, you know, the saying of plans are worthless, but planning is everything, right? So it's actually more the process of planning 
than it is the plan itself that's the value. And that's where you can create a business plan, put it on a shelf, and no one looks at it, and that's pretty much worthless. So having a repeated activity over the course of, let's say, a year, at a minimum once every quarter, if not once a month, of planning, replanning your business, looking one quarter out, uh, those things are extremely important. And then last is just knowing their numbers. they got to know their numbers. Uh, I'm just blown away sometimes the number of owners that I talk to that when you ask them some fairly basic things about financials that they don't know. And they really need to know their numbers. Imagine that. A couple follow-up questions to that. How do you coach them to find the time? And that, that always seems to crop up is, you know, I, I just don't have the time. and. And again, I, I, I love putting my calendar up against somebody else and say, let's, let, let's talk about time. If I have enough time to do this, you have enough time to do what I'm asking you to do. Um, but I mean, how do you, how do you help them find that time? Well, you start small, uh, you know, don't bite the elephant all at once. You don't need to carve off a week, a month. Um, what I typically ask people to do is, you know, literally dedicate at a minimum two hours a week at a just absolute minimum. If you're not willing to dedicate two hours a week to, to really improve your business, then you're really not dedicated to it. So that's kind of a minimum threshold in some ways. And, and literally it's analyzing what they do every day. And one of the first activities sometimes that we actually do is actually have them record what they're doing. And it usually surprises them. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. I'm not, you know, it's literally a notepad just kind of write down. And, and if they look at that after a month or even two weeks, uh, a lot of times there's a lot of waste in there. And so we start, you know, immediately just looking at what are they spending their time on today and who else can do that work? And we start small and it, it, for every owner, it's a little different based on their background. Um, and so that's where we start, you know? Yeah. And then the second part of the follow-up was you said the business owner has to get out from being in the middle. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is, and I think I, I, you just, you just said it, but I, I wanted to go a little deeper as far as you start small, find one thing that someone else can do. What do you, what do you do with that business owner? I've heard some, you know, you, you basically list out every, every job that you, that you do over the course of a week or a month or pick, pick the, the time frame, and then you just prioritize and then you start whittling them off as far as delegating to someone else. It, it, is that sometimes it's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's not. I mean, it, 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 and again, it depends on the owner and what kind of business it is. Yeah. And, you know, I'll call it whether it's simple or complex. Um, but in some cases, yes, that is, is, and it's just holding them accountable to it. This, you know, it, it's, it's doing that over a period of time that it, it, it is, you know, like, uh, you know, Jim Collins book, good to great, right? It's a, it's a momentum builder. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And the easier it gets, the more you do it. Um, and it doesn't need to be big. You're right. Well, like I said, it's funny. You, you had said, you know, uh, uh, work on your business, not in your business. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, some <laughs> recently somebody said, you know, if that's what you're going to tell me, just, just don't come in. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't even come through the door and and i'm with them i'm i'm tired of hearing about it too um you know give me a solution don't tell me don't tell me what the problem is i know what the problem is sure 
and and some of that is but the my response to that is are they already doing it yeah no you're and, right. you know, and if they're and if they're not then it is a it's not quote unquote as simple as doing that that's part of you know, it's part of my role to help them do it. Right. But it, some of it is, uh, I would you know, 80% of the challenge is their mindset. And, it, you know, even in the short term, if you have to put in, you know, another 10 hours a week to make it happen, if that's the way to solve the problem, then you would do that on any other problem that you're trying to face yep. of, of that magnitude. So 100%. it's not any different. Well, yeah. And like I said, it, it's all about execution and not every fire needs to be fought today you know Correct. and, and uh, despite the the business owner um thinking so my next question is in in the people that you're working with are you seeing business owners interested in lifestyle or legacy in today's market mm. i would say definitely there's a mix of both and this is a a challenge that comes up a lot and i call it the boat versus the business dilemma um you know when when a when a business owner on a monthly or quarterly basis you know totals up and they go to their accountant and they've got you know they made a decent profit um what do they do with that profit and it's you know and sometimes at a in a lifestyle you know they want that return on investment to help them personally you know and that may be a boat or a boathouse or whatever vacation um but this is actually one of the areas that we start focusing on is how they manage their finances on the business side versus the personal side, because it affects not just them in the short term, but it affects their business and their culture, um, especially their employees. And whether they like it or not, uh, when the owner is focusing more on their lifestyle than they are on the legacy, it becomes really apparent to their workforce. And it, uh, it drives a lot of, a lot of negative things in the workforce and the culture of the business. So I think each coach is different. Um, but I mean, what's the process in working with someone like you? I, I'm certain there's some sort of exploratory, uh, initial mm-hmm. conversation, but take, take us through the process to becoming a client. I'd say, you know, it's a, usually up front is a cup of coffee. That's kind of where I start. I'm a cup of coffee type of guy. Um, and we'll talk about their goals and what they want to get out of it. And, you know, like you've said, their past experiences, both good and bad. Um, and I talk about kind of just my approach and it is a simple approach to start. We like to start off. I'll call it the typical approach is an every other week you know, I'll call them accountability session. So whether that's an hour, hour and a half, two hours a week or every other week. And we literally start with what's the main goal we're trying to hit both in the short and the long term. And then literally, you know, we may do what I would call whiteboard sessions. It's very typical, um, kind of splattering things against the wall and flushing out a problem and just start with maybe their immediate pain. You know, as an example, you know, one of my clients, they had a really, one of his, their first line of his, uh, of his team was really struggling. Uh, the rest of the team seemed to be going well, but he was having some real challenges. So we spent the first two weeks really just talking through that issue and ways to address his performance. And then obviously would like to keep him just because, you know, before, you can't afford to lose people anymore. It's just not a good option. And yeah. so we spent the first you know, month really trying to salvage this gentleman's uh, employment. And we did, which was good and got him on the right track. And then we moved on to bigger things. So 
Um, so typically that is, you know, whether it's weekly or every other week, I call it just as long as there's a cadence. And part of that is consistency. Part of that is accountability. Um, you know, as you know, most owners may be not accountable to much of anybody. Um, you know, they may not have a board. They may not even, you know, they may not even tell their spouse what's going on. And so having just someone that uh, provides them an opportunity to be held accountable, I find that is something else that I spend a lot of time doing. So, Okay. One of my last questions, and, I'm, and I appreciate you uh, giving me a little extra time, but um, what is the last um, piece of advice or what, if you had one piece of advice to give our listeners that would have the most immediate impact on their business, what, do you, what would it be? Probably to view their business as a machine or an engine. And again, hmm. the cliche of working on it, not in it, but truly to step back and literally take the time to look at your business as a machine um, and look at the moving parts and the processes and the gears and what's in it. And if they find themselves kind of in the middle of that engine, they've, you know, we together have to figure out how to get them out of that middle. Otherwise, you know, the, especially a future buyer doesn't want to buy a business that has the owner in the middle of it. It's just, uh, it makes it really, really messy and sticky. So it, it really is just to take the time and whether that's two hours on a Friday afternoon and just say, okay, what is this business I have and what's it look like from, from the beginning to the end? Um, and look at it in that viewpoint. I think that has a lot of value. Totally agree. So, Bob, what's the, the best way we can connect with you? Well, I'm a, I'm a LinkedIn guy for sure. So whether it's LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but um, LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. And uh, obviously my uh, website, which is the growth coach, North Indy.com. But, uh, and then obviously, you know, telephone or email, either one. Okay. Well, I will have, I will have links to everywhere that you're, you're at on, uh, on, in the show notes. So, Bob, uh, boy, I, I can't uh, thank you enough for being so generous with your time and experience and uh, the work you're doing helping owners maximize their value. So, uh, to learn more about Bob, uh, like you said, you want to go to www.thegrowthcoachnorthindy.com. And, Bob, again, thank you so much for being a defender of business value. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate the time. This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value Podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.